Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. So, um, if you notice the front row, I have uh, my two daughters, and the, the bushy-haired kid is just a friend of the family. Um, and then, of course, my son and daughter-in-law, who are in, walking in from the lobby right now. Um, um, we, my wife and I are empty nesters, but this weekend, I have all four of my kids under one roof, and it has just been the super funnest thing ever to have the whole family back together again. Um, and the funny thing is, we, um, we flew in from Israel. We immediately went to the grocery store yesterday just to buy some junk food, just an old-fashioned family. Let's get caught up, and, and, and what have you been doing, and what, how did Israel go, and how's grandma and grandpa? And by the way, uh, Josie's mom is doing much, much better. Uh, she, she's beaten the virus. She's, you know, thank you for praying. Yeah. Um, but we bought all this junk food. It was amazing, ice cream and cookies, and none of it had any calories in it, which I really appreciated. And, um, and we just sat around and picked out. And then um, I, I went back because I wanted another cookie, and they were gone. <laughs> These people ate the rest of my cookies. It was just like, there was like one of those plates, and it was just like in the movies. There was literally just crumbs where there used to be cookies. And I thought, I really wanted one more cookie. But here, can I tell you something? Whoever ate the last cookie <laughs> didn't come ask me. They just took the last cookie. You wanna know why? It's because they know that they're my children and whatever is mine is theirs. And we literally bought the cookies for the family to eat. And I was happy that we were able to provide for them. Now, they're all adults and have jobs and provide their own cookies. But yesterday, I provided the cookies. And they were all gone. That means that my kids know me and know the relationship and the intimacy and their identity as my kids so much, they just took everything that was mine and didn't say please and thank you. They just took it. Why? because they know their identity. They're my kids, and I'll give them whatever they want. I'll, give them, I'll definitely give them whatever they need, and sometimes I'll spoil them, rotten them, and give them whatever they want. Why? Because they know who they are as my kids. It's important to know your identity and to know who you are. I remember Josie and I are coming up on, is it 26 or 27 years of marriage? Josie and I are coming up on an anniversary and it's one or the other, it's 26 or 27 years. But I, I had this memory of when I was getting to know her. We were engaged, when we went over to her mom's house and her mom brought out all of like her high school photo albums, scrapbooks. Um, and I know if you're like under 30, it's gonna be hard to understand. There didn't used to be digital pictures. Like if you wanted a memory of something, the guy had to set up the thing and the poof of smoke and you'd stand there you know, with no smile on your face. That's what it was like for me as a kid. I'm kidding. So there was an old-fashioned photo album and I'm flipping through and it was like Josie's senior year. And I'm like, I, I'm like, where are the, I said, did you go to prom? She said, yeah. And I'm just, I wanted to see who she went to prom with so that I could judge him and be better than him. And here's the funny thing. 
She went to school, her family came over from Sweden in her junior year, and then, so her junior and senior year of high school, she went to a school in Mississippi. And um, when I got to the prom picture, first of all, you know, 17-year-old Josie with prom dress and prom makeup and prom hair, like, I was like, I have I've chosen wisely. <laughs> but then I looked at the guy she's standing next to. He was like this lanky-looking, goober-looking dude, and I hope he doesn't watch our, our church online. <laughs> and I go, this is like the funkiest-looking dude ever. Why did you go to prom with him? And she said, I didn't know that anybody else was gonna ask me, so I said yes to the first guy that asked me. And then I had this moment. The girl that I'm engaged to doesn't know that she's the hot chick in high school. That's why she said yes to me. People say the same thing about our wedding pictures. Like, how, She didn't recognize her identity as the pretty girl or she would have waited for the captain of the football team to take her to prom. So she said yes to whoever took her. See, it's important that you know your identity or you'll say yes to things you shouldn't say yes to. I should do this for a living, the way I just turned that into a sermon illustration. That was good. You're gonna like this. M many people, most people in the body of Christ, they miss out on what God as a loving father has for them because they've suffered an identity theft. And we live our lives with a poverty mindset because our identity as children of the Most High God has been stolen. We live our lives with an orphaned mindset. We live our lives with abandonment issues. We live our lives with addiction. We live our lives with depression. We live our lives with loneliness. We live our lives with anger. We live our lives with fear because we don't know what we have in our identity in Christ. So let's talk about Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter five and verse one, you should be imitators of Christ. You should look at Jesus, read the gospels, and then do that. Copy his behavior, copy his faith, copy his ministry. Whatever he did on the earth, we should be doing in our lives as well. So we would imitate Christ, but then therefore you should also copy his identity. And I remind you that Jesus knew that he was the son of the living God that was sent to the earth to be a sacrifice for, the, for our sin, to be our Messiah. He knew his identity. But as the Lord was calling Jesus into ministry, he said, you need to be baptized by your cousin John. He went down to the Jordan River, and he, as he was being, it was the whole thing there I won't get into, but as he was being baptized in Luke chapter three and verse 21, one day the crowds were being baptized. Jesus himself came to be baptized. He was praying, and then the heavens opened. The Holy Spirit, in a bodily form, descended on Jesus like a dove. A voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son son, and you bring me great joy. So if you're going to copy Jesus, if you're going to be an imitator of Christ, imitate his identity, you are a child of the Most High God, and you bring a smile to the Father's face. You can eat God's last cookie because of your identity. And the father was confirming Jesus' identity as his beloved son, and then he sent him out into ministry. There's people that don't ever step out into the ministry that God has created for them because they don't know their identity in Christ. 
and they don't really do anything. They just take up space in a church, but they don't do what God has created them to do because they don't know their identity as children of the Most High God. Or sometimes we face trial in life. We go through difficult seasons. We have a bad diagnosis. We have not enough zeros in our bank account. We have a pink slip email. We get laid off. Bad things happen. We lose loved ones. And we go into a trial and we struggle and we get stuck in that trial for years because we don't know who our our identity, we don't know who we are in Christ. I remind you that the very next thing that happened to Jesus after the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit was poured out and a voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, is that Jesus went out into the desert for 40 days of fasting and he was tempted by the devil. Knowing your identity as a child of the Most High God will not only prepare you for ministry, but it'll also strengthen you to get through the difficult battles that you might face in your life. It'll not only remind you who you are, but it'll remind you whose you are. So if if you're going through a difficult season, and I think if you live in this nation, you're probably going through a difficult season. America in general, we're going through a difficult season, and unfortunately, I think perhaps it's only the beginning. And I'm, I'm not, a, you guys know me well enough to know I'm, I'm not a big scare tactic. You know, I'm, I, I see so much hope and good in the world, I can't get too upset about the price of gas. You know, like, there's just, God is doing too many good things in the lives and hearts of people, things that are eternal, things that matter, than the things that are temporary. I'm not gonna get bogged down and, and lose focus over, over the things in life that really matter. But I will say this, yeah, For about 50 years, America has given the middle finger to God. We've kicked him out of our schools, we've kicked him out of our culture and our society, and we've brought in all of this sin, and then we've set up those that that love sin and and love to lead people into immorality and anti-God behavior as the ones that we celebrate the most in life. We've mocked God, and we've been entertained by mocking God. Our nation has been like a rebellious teenager that has ignored the wisdom of our godly forefathers. And the sins of our nation have been piling up one on top of another. And there is a price to be paid when a nation turns its back on God. But I remind you, we're not afraid because, yeah, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. I'm just temporarily passing through this world on my way to heaven. And I'm going to transform the world around it. But, yeah, I'm an American, but I'm more importantly, I'm a Christian. I'm I'm a child. My identity is in Christ Jesus. So... In ministry and in difficult times, I am reminded that the children of God are not scared because we know who we are in Christ, because our identity, just like that, we are God's beloved children in whom we are well pleased. And this is where some people go, no, dude, you just read about Jesus. Jesus was God's beloved child. The father was pleased with Jesus, not me. Because we know our own weaknesses, we know our own thoughts, we know our own fears, we know what we looked at this week on the internet that we shouldn't have, we know the big blow up we had with our loved ones, we said things we shouldn't have said, we know the sins that we've committed, so therefore we try to disqualify ourselves, but all we're doing is believing a lie about our identity. Can I remind you of who you are in Christ? The Apostle Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter one, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Well, why should we be praising him? Because he has blessed us with just a few of the spiritual blessings in heavenly realms. That doesn't sound right. Am I reading the Bible version of the Bible? All praise to God, the Father of Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with, oh, snap. With every spiritual 
blessing. We praise him because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Why? Because we have been united to Christ. Even before God made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. When my kids were little, sometimes they would disobey and they would break the rules, but it never for a moment brought my love down for them. Even if they did something wrong, my love for them was never decreased. In my eyes, I loved them. Verse five, God decided in advance to adopt us. God decided in advance to adopt us. You have been adopted into the family of God. You're not alone in this life. You have a loving father. You have brothers and sisters that are in Christ because God brought you into his own family by bringing you to himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do. In fact, it gives him great pleasure to do it. So we praise God. We praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son, Jesus. That is a verse that you can crawl up into the Father's lap and just let him speak that over you. You are God's children. It gives him great pleasure to be your father, to adopt you into his family. You make God smile. So what is our response? Verse six, praise God for the grace that he poured out on you. Praise God that you're not an orphan. Praise God that you're not a sinner. Praise God that even though things are tough, even though the economy is in trouble, you are not alone and your Father in heaven is not worried about the cost of gas. Your Father in heaven is not worried about the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Your Father in heaven is not worried about what the enemy is doing. He loves you so much, you're, you're, you're not an orphan. And he's a loving father that gives good gifts to his children. Just keep your eyes fixed on the Father and not on the world around you. Go back to verse six, praise God. Have thanksgiving. Make a list, this is your homework assignment. Make a list of everything that you are grateful for. I'm grateful for my family, I'm grateful for my kids, I'm, I'm grateful for my home. I'm, if you're sitting on a couch when you make this list, be grateful for the couch that you're sitting on. If you're sitting in a folding chair and a, and a card table, be thankful for the folding chair. I thank God for the folding chair. Josie thanks God for her dog. I, me, not so much, but we, we thank. <laughs> If you have a phone, thank God for your phone. Even if it's not as cool and wonderful that you would like for it to be, just be grateful you have a phone. If you're stressed out about gas prices, it means that you have a car. Give God praise that you have a car. Don't stress out about the little things. God will provide for you. Look at the heart of God. And stop freaking out about the hand of God to make sure that he, he meets all of your needs. Draw near to his heart. His hand is attached to it. He'll bless you. So just chill out, relax, be thankful. Be, be grateful to God. Now, let me also say this. I think there's also a time where you also have to be wise. God calls us to be good stewards. God calls us to look at the situation and realize that sometimes there might be food shortages, so stocking up on some Sam's Club rice and beans and canned vegetables might not be a terrible idea. This is not a doomsday message. I'm simply saying from time to time, if the economy keeps on the trajectory that it is, there might be a few little pockets where there isn't a ton of food available for us. So wisdom would say, stock up on inexpensive, long-lasting food that'll get you through a week or two. Is that wisdom, is that all right? Okay, some of you were like, wait, what? 
I'm just, it might be a good idea. Have a week's worth of food in your pantry. Just throwing that out there. But don't freak out and don't be afraid. Just be wise. Knowing your identity, knowing that you're children of the Most High God, this is really some of the most important things. Everything in your life should stem from your identity as a child of God, not from anything else. Your royal identity is, all right. God saw that the people of Israel were slaves to the pharaohs in Egypt, right? And God needs to create a, a Messiah, somebody to lead the people out of their slavery in Egypt. So he picks Moses. But did you notice that although Moses was born into a Jewish family, from his birth, from his first couple days of being born, God had him raised and adopted by the Pharaoh's family. Do you guys know that part of the story? Why? Because he needed Moses to be raised like royalty so he would not think like a slave when it was time to bring people out of slavery. He would think like royalty. It's important that you think like kingdom royalty and not think like a slave. Speaking of the Jews coming out of their slavery in Egypt, Moses was the only one out of a nation of a couple of million people that had been raised in royalty. So they're out in the desert and the poop hits the fan and there's no food and it's hot and it's dry and there's, no, there's a promised land that we'll get to one day but right now we're stuck in the wilderness. The thing, do you guys, have you ever thought about this before? The Lord never meant for the people of Israel to be stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. It should have taken about two weeks to just walk from Egypt to Israel. Just, just to walk, I mean with a million people but I mean it, it shouldn't have taken that long. It took 40 years because of their identity was stolen and they still thought like slaves. They still thought of themselves as slaves. They still, in fact, they literally wanted to return to Egypt and go back into slavery. So every time you get high after God has set you free, every time you look at porn after God has set you free, every time you get drunk after God has set you free, every time you get angry after God has set you free, every time you do dumb, you're going back to what you were enslaved to instead of reminding yourself of the identity that you have as a child of the Most High God. It's so important that you remind yourself of your identity because they're in the desert and things are going difficult and Moses is like, guys, come on, keep your eyes fixed on God. There is a promised land. He's gonna give you land. They had never been landowners. They had always been slaves. They still thought like slaves, and Moses was trying to prepare their hearts for wealth and for royalty. So when they thought wrong, they did wrong. They spoke wrong. When your identity is in question, don't speak until you can get your mouth to line up with your royal identity in Christ Jesus. Because when you speak dumb, you're going to follow that up by doing dumb. The people that, let me tread carefully. We have people in our church that have done dumb, have committed adultery on their spouses. The Holy Spirit has convicted their hearts. They have repented and returned to God and returned to their spouse and their spouse has forgiven them and their marriages have been healed. It's a beautiful picture. But the people that commit adultery, they forgot their identity as married people. I wear this wedding ring and I have for we're not sure if it's 26 or 27 years, but it's been a while. 26, my wife says. This one in August is 26. So, so in August 10th, 10th, I knew it was a date. 
Oh, and I'm that age that you can't take your ring off as a sermon illustration. I'm sure it was just the flight. I'm a little bloated, so. <laughs> Paul's like, you're a, more than a little bloated. So, and it wasn't the flight. So. Um, I wear this wedding ring as a, as a public reminder. It's, it's a public demonstration. Uh, for the last 26 years, a girl that was way too pretty for me said yes. And I will, until the day I die, forever be identified. My identity is in Josie's husband. And as long as I remember my identity as Josie's husband, as long as I celebrate that identity in Josie's husband, as long as I give God thanksgiving and praise that I get to be Josie's husband, I'm not gonna be looking for anybody else. So I proudly wear my wedding ring. That's why I love baptism so much. It's a public declaration of what God has done in our hearts. It's, it's reminding ourselves that the devil can't steal our identity. Because when we give up ground with our identity, we suffer, our family suffers, the church suffers, because we're all interconnected. The people of Israel were going through a difficult season, a dark season. Saul was their king. David is just a boy. He's not even allowed to fight. So he's bringing a pizza to his older brothers that were fighting, and there's this guy, Goliath, and Goliath was speaking against the identity of the people of Israel, and the people of Israel were believing it. The devil will always speak against your identity. Your job is to not believe it. Your job is to remind yourself of what the Bible says about your identity. And David stepped onto the battlefield, and Goliath tried to steal David's identity and David would not allow it. He heard the information, but he did not allow it to enter into his heart. The devil is not authorized to define your identity unless you allow him to do so. Go back to adultery and go back to David. A couple years later, David is the king. And in the spring, the kings would go out and have fight club. And they... You know, what do you think it was every spring? They just go out and beat each other up. It was just men being men and pooping in the woods and getting out and smacking each other in the jaw, right? I'm not saying Brad Pitt was there or not there, or if it was just Ed Norton the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> you had to have seen the movie, but I can't talk about it because you can't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> I'm bringing back some old school stuff. Second Samuel chapter 11 in the spring, when the kings would normally go out to war, David sent Joab in the Israelite army to go fight the Ammonites. David stayed behind in Jerusalem. David was king over Israel, but he forgot his royal identity. So therefore, his decision to stay home opened the door to sin. The only reason that David saw Bathsheba from the roof of his house is because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. He forgot his identity as the king, he forgot that he was a child of the Most High God. Your identity matters because it'll affect how you think, how you speak, and how you act. So you need to always remind yourself of your identity in Christ, that you are royalty. And royal people don't look at porn. Royal people don't lie. Royal people don't get angry. Royal people don't steal or cheat. Royal people are generous and loving and humble and sincere and they worship and they're, they're, royal people smile from time to time because they're not going to hell. 
Some of you just need to get baptized in a smile. Like you look like you've been baptized in vinegar. Your sins have been forgiven. You should constantly be smiling. Like, I just can't believe it. God loves me so much, he adopted me into his family. And it gave him great pleasure to do so. Here's why you smile. You have 24-7 access to, to the Father's fridge. You can eat God's cookies. You can crawl up into his lap and he'll tell you a bedtime story. You're never alone. You're never alone. He loves you so much. He's crazy about you. He wants to dance over you. God has your picture on his refrigerator and it makes him smile. In, a, in addition, you have been chosen to do something. You have a purpose on this earth. You're not just here to be a bag of meat that just sucks up oxygen. God has chosen you to do some stuff. First Peter chapter two and verse nine, you are a chosen people, Uncommon Church. You are a royal priesthood. We're gonna come back to that. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. As a result, you show others the greatness and goodness of God because he's called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, you, you used to not have an identity as God's people, but now you are God's people. You have received mercy. And once you received, once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. You are a royal priest. I remind you that in Jerusalem there used to be a temple and in that temple there was an outer court and an inner court and then there was a place called the Holy of Holies where the Ark of God's Covenant stood and the, the, the glory of God was inhabited in that place, in that room, in that temple. But only the priests were allowed to even be near it and only the high priest was allowed to go near to his, his holy presence. You have 24-7 access as a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You don't live like the, the rest of the world because you have access to the Holy of Holies. We don't live like the rest of the world. Remember, we're supposed to imitate Christ. How do we do that? By living holy. Jesus was sinless. So our prayer is that we should be holy like God is holy. So you're like, well, sometimes I sin. Yeah, but your sin doesn't define you. Just because you sin once in a while doesn't make you a sinner. It makes you a child of the Most High God that made a mistake, but his loving kindness will bring you back into repentance. Holy living is your destiny. Holy living is your identity. And I'll also say this, the longer you walk with Christ, the deeper you put your roots down in faith, the more mature you become as a believer, the less sinning you'll do. I know mature believers in Christ who really understand their identity, they rarely sin. I mean, they could go days, weeks, months without ever saying something or doing something they shouldn't do. And if you're a new believer and you're still blowing it, it's like a baby learning to walk. We're gonna keep lifting you up and kissing your boo-boos and teaching you to walk. We're not gonna kick you when you're down, but you do need to learn to grow up and stop getting drunk and stop getting high and stop forgetting your royal identity. Now that being said, that's a part of your past. You can never allow your past to dictate your future. Because what happened in the past does not, does not disqualify you from the deep things of God. But understanding your identity is like you come to a door to go into the deeper things of God. Knowing who you are in Christ will unlock that door and take you into the deeper things of God. The devil wants to keep you locked into your past. 
The devil wants you to keep you locked into sin. The devil wants you to keep locked into an orphan mentality. The devil wants to keep you locked into the, the fear and the loneliness and you trying to self-medicate yourself when you go through difficult times. The devil wants to keep you confused about your royal identity. If you've ever had your, um, your, your credit stolen or you've had an identity theft, uh, Josie and I were on a mission trip a couple years ago and we used our, our, our personal debit card and somehow the number got skimmed and lifted. And like within just a few hours, I get a text from Wells Fargo Bank, I think we were in Thailand, and it says, hey, did you just buy a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff on this Thai website? And I was like, no. And they're like, all right, we're shutting your card down. We're gonna give you your money back. It looks like your card was stolen. I was pretty grateful that Wells Fargo knew more about my identity than I did. Because in that case, it was very simple and it was very easy to get everything restored. But if you've had a major case of identity theft, it could take years to build back your credit, to get taxes paid back. Um, in the natural world, it can take a long time for your identity to get restored. In, in, in the kingdom of God, it just takes a second. It just takes repentance of sin. It just takes you opening your eyes and recognizing your royal identity in Christ. And can I just tell you something right now? If you're really good at your job, if you're amazing at your job, if you make great money, if, if you are great athletically, if you're a great musician, if you're a great mom, if you're a great teacher, if you're a great truck driver, your career, your talent, your gifting does not define your identity. It has nothing to do with it. Because all of that can be taken away and the Lord still says, this is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. And you'll be like, yeah, Lord, but I'm really good at doing this thing for you. He's like, yeah, but your identity is not in that. But Lord, I've learned to prophesy and I'm a powerful preacher of the word of God. Yeah, but your identity is not in your ministry. Lord, I'm an, I'm, amazing, I'm an amazing accountant. I'm an amazing police officer. I'm an amazing school teacher. I'm an amazing whatever, artist, dancer. It doesn't matter. Your identity is simply son or daughter, period. Do you want to be an amazing plumber or do you want to be an amazing son? Do you want to be an amazing accountant? or an amazing daughter? Do you want to prophesy and preach and lead worship and pray? Or do you want to just be a child of God? Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 21. I was going to skip this verse, but I'm not. There are three things that make the earth tremble, four things that the earth just simply cannot endure. A slave who becomes a king, an overbearing fool who prospers, a bitter woman who finally gets a husband, and a servant girl who supplants her mistress. Let me go back to the first one. The world can simply not endure when a slave becomes the king. Why? Because if you identify as a pig, you will make every room you walk into a pig pen. Which is why most people that win more than a million dollars in the lottery within five years, they're worse off financially than before they won it. Jesus was born the king of Israel and Mary and Joseph laid him in a manger. You can put a king in a manger, but you can't put a manger in a king. So too often we find our royal identity in what we're good at. I'm really good at my job. That's why I'm paid so well. That's why I'm respected. That's why people like me. That's why none of that matters. 
We can even find our identity in our weakness. Well, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a recovering drug addict. I've got this diagnosis of this disease. And we find our identity in a sickness more than we find our identity in a child of God. You will never win in life until your only identity is son or daughter of the Most High God. Hop up on your feet. We're gonna get better at clapping. The funny thing is, I've been pastoring this church for more than 11 years, and I've been saying for 11 and a half years, we're gonna get better at clapping. Final thought. The devil only attacks whatever is a threat to him. The devil will only attack whatever is a threat to him. So the enemy's plan is to always put your identity in anything else but being kingdom royalty, being a child of the most high God, having access to the father's fridge, being able to eat God's last cookie and then making, it'll make him smile. So, because when we recognize who we are in Christ, when we really understand our identity in Jesus, that terrifies the devil. Because entire cities have been transformed by just a few people that recognize their identity in Christ. When you learn to really pray and really worship and really enter into God's presence, you're not just singing a song, you don't, you don't care about a building or a remodel, like none of that matters. I just want his presence. I just want to crawl up into the Father's lap. I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care if, if, if a sports team wins or loses. I don't, I don't care what happens to the economy. I don't care about the price of gas. Well, I can't go to church because gas is so expensive. If you really cared, you'd ride a bike or walked. That's what most of the world does. That's how they get to church. I'll also say this. If you live within 25 miles of the church, most cars get 25 miles to the gallon. So if, gal if gas was a dollar cheaper, you would be here. So if I give you a dollar and you live less than 25 miles of the church, like you see how silly it is to say I can't go to church because I can't afford it, when really all it costs you was an extra dollar to get here. So if that's your excuse, that means that a dollar will keep you from the presence of God. If you think the end times are gonna be tough, it's gonna cost you more than a dollar when things hit the fan and people really come after the children of God. You gotta buck up a little bit more than that. You're all like, dude, shut up, I'm here. Talk to those people. <laughs> I did. I just didn't look at the camera when I said it because I want them to like me. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a part of the family of God, you haven't been adopted into his family. I've been talking to the person sitting to your left and right about being a child of the Most High God, but you know you're still an orphan. You know you're not yet a part of the family of God. You know that your sin has separated you from the things of God. In an instant, in a moment, in a prayer of faith, we can restore your identity. And you can go from orphan to child, sinner to saint, just like that. I can't pray it for you, I can lead you but I can't pray it for you. You've got to believe it in your heart that Jesus is the son of the most high God, that he came to this earth and that he took our sin 
to the cross and he defeated sickness and death and hell and the grave and he was raised again on the third day and he sits enthroned alive in heaven. Our, our God is alive and he's real and he's looking down this morning and he's saying, come on, come on. And he'll forgive you of your sin if you ask him to. Even the sin you did last night. He'll, he'll say, this is my beloved son, my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. And it might be the first time you've ever prayed that prayer. I, I, I find a lot of times it's the first time in a long time. People that used to live for God, but they've let their heart grow cold. They've let sin back into their life. Like King David, they forgot their royal identity. And they, they thought dumb, they said dumb, and they did dumb. So they got separated from God again. But if you can learn a lesson from King David, learn the lesson that when the, his sin was exposed, he repented. And he said, God, search my heart. Cleanse me from every wicked way. That should be our prayer. We, we shouldn't want to hide anything from God. We should always want our hearts to be pure and holy before God because our royal identity is found in being called children of the Most High God. Don't be a runaway. Run back to the Father's love. God's not mad at you. Well, preacher, you don't know some of the things that I, God's not mad at you. The, the Father's arms are open wide and he's calling you back. So if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you're not right with God, you're, you're, you need to repent and ask God to forgive you, either for the first time or the first time in a long time. I can lead you in a prayer, but the prayer has to come from your heart and your life. If you're here this morning and you wanna pray that prayer, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day to get right with God. I see your hand right there. Is there anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high. I see your hand right there. Is there anybody else? Just shoot your hand up. Good. What about you that are watching online? Two people bravely raise their hand and say, today's my day to get right with God. Right there in your living room, right there in your bedroom, right there in your car, just between you and God, just raise your hand. And if you believe this, why don't we all pray this prayer together? If you believe it in your heart, pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. I receive the gift of eternal life. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Make me holy like you are holy. Adopt me into your loving family. I receive my royal identity as a child of the Most High God. Help me, Lord, to live out my royal identity. that I would not think like an orphan. I would not speak like an orphan. I would not act like an orphan. Make me holy like you are holy. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. Hey, for the two of you that raised your hand, for those of you that are watching online, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you, golly. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.